Well, the radio quarterlies are not a disaster, not exactly, but I don't think the stock market agrees much with that. Why would small market TV operators stick around? Well, apparently, they aren't. And we <laughs> salute a new member of the Country Music Hall of Fame. So good morning. We're back with another episode of Media Insultant, our opinions and comments. Keith Samuels is right next to me. He's down in Southern California. I'm in Seattle. Good morning, Jackson. Hello, Keith. I'm Jackson Weaver here in Seattle. And we do this each Tuesday and Thursday. So today, we'd like to welcome you to the Thursday edition, March 3rd, of Media Insultant. So on Tuesday's edition of Media Insultant, Keith, we offered some free advice to Odyssey, <laughs> how to turn around their flagging operations <laughs> and sales operations in San Diego, Chicago, and Detroit. And I think we failed to at least mention one other idea, including, you know, we covered Tuesday completely changing the management structure and that sort of thing. But there was another thing, and that is, you know, we talked about compensation, but I've often said that if money were the only thing that motivated sellers, we'd all be crack dealers because those guys make a lot of money for a very short period of time, but they do make bank. And since it's already hard to recruit into the business and Odyssey isn't doing anything to enhance it, it occurred to me that rather than just focusing and recruiting on compensation and their love for the media and digital and all of that sort of thing, find some other reasons. Recruit with flexible work hours, maybe a unique office space. Um, hey, take a page from Google, offer free food in a cafeteria, a four-day work week, cocktails after five. I mean, whatever it takes to get somebody's interest. Because you and I both have watched this, and the recruiting into this media sales space is terrible. You know, the pool gets smaller and smaller, and we end up with less qualified people all the time. So... That's the only thing that I can say in terms of helping Odyssey recruit something or recruit something better than what they've been doing. But, you know, if, if you look at the latest Q4 reports, as we said Tuesday, maybe Odyssey doesn't care that much because they didn't have a terrible quarter. I mean, they had a, a quarter that was, what, their core spot revenue, which is national and local added together, and then they take political. It was up 10% over the year before. Right. They had a couple of other digital is up sixteen percent. But out of that, out of that, right, out of that broadcast revenue was just up two point four percent. So, you know, I don't, I don't know what the difference is between core, spot, and broadcast, but um, somewhere along the line, broadcast was broken out separately and it was, it was, you know, up two point four percent over twenty twenty one, which is, um, uh, you know, nothing to write home about. Well, in the old days, we'd get fired for that. Well, and equally, EBITDA, uh, and this is really telling, EBITDA was flat with the last year. And, you know, so your revenue can be up, but, yeah, yeah. you know, if you're, if you're in a position where you're not really bringing any more cash into the business when it's all said and done, it gets to be, it gets to be tough. But with these kind of results, Keith, you can see why David Field may be ignoring the problems in the sales field. He may feel, yeah, it's just the way it goes. You know, some markets up, some markets down. It'll be okay. So, what other uh, quarterly results did? Well, yeah, and I and I think and I, and, and to continue that thought, Jackson, the attitude is: look, really, how tough is it to sell K Earth in L.A.? 
We can find somebody to sell K-Earth in L.A., the number one station, except for uh, during holiday time, or The Wave, or Jack, um, for a lot less money than I was paying these other guys. I mean, these other guys were order takers, making the big bucks. Um, we could find somebody who's hungry, who will, who will do just as good a job. And what they haven't realized, that is a lot of it's based on relationship and your ability to get the spots cleared and get the good deals and get the good prices with managers and new sellers and baby sellers and inexperienced sellers aren't as good at that. So, you know, you don't want it. You don't want the, you may think it's sexy to have cut that expense, but in the end, uh, we're going to see over this course of this, this year, just basically how that uh, turnover at Odyssey stations is going to impact their revenues. I have another piece of advice for, uh, for Odyssey before we move on to iHeart and Cumulus and their results. And that is, is a part of that attractiveness of recruiting is that you hire people, you hire managers who are competent, okay? You grow and develop and hire and promote managers that know what they're doing. And a lot of times, all they're hiring are people who will run the playbook, check the CRM, spy on their salespeople, and report to corporate. And what you really need in the in local markets are what I call, you know, they're kind of like... Uh, they're, sewage, they're like sewage filtration systems. In other words, they take all the bullshit from corporate, process it, and create functional, successful local work teams, and they protect their people from the nonsense. They figure out a way to process the nonsense from corporate and from regional and, and create a safe, a healthy, and profitable work environment for their local staffs. But what you're seeing is they just open the spigot. Yeah, that's what corporate says. And they spew all this stuff out in the local markets. And you see the results. Everybody leaves. They're going, we're out of here. So they don't have people in these markets that know how to do that or actually have the courage to stand up to corporate and say, okay, I get what you're saying. And here's how I'm going to implement it. Corporate must be saying, "Uh uh-uh, no, no, no. There is no local interpretation. It's all about the way we want it done. And that's a big problem at Odyssey. And a big problem at a lot of companies, and and a lot in print. That's a lot of ways how it's done in print, is that it's all a national playbook, and uh, and they, they just beat the hell out of you against it. So, uh, so how did I, you know, that's why they only grew 2.5%. How did iHeart do? iHeart, radio revenue, because they do, are, they're pretty good about the, how they've reported and broken up their divisions, and they report revenue separately by those divisions. But radio was up. 4.9% over 2021. That's Q4 revenue. It was up 4.9%. So, you know, that wasn't that wasn't too bad. Network, this is the premier radio networks that you've heard either doing sports or doing uh, um, uh, you know, that's Fox Sports Radio and all the other all the syndicated that, stuff uh, they have. that yeah. premier provides was up yeah, all the syndicated stuff was up just 1%. So that barely nudged up. But Pittman is boasting that total revenues for the company we're up 3.5% over the Q4 of 2019, which was the last quarter before COVID. The other companies are not boasting about any numbers like that. Pittman is, and good for him. I mean, to be up 3.5% over, over that coming out of two years of COVID, you know, that's not a bad performance. Cumulus, on the other hand, was up 2.6% total, but radio, they break out radio, was down 3.8%. So they were down. Spot was off four, almost 5%, and their network was down almost 2%, and that's uh, um, Westwood yeah, 1. Yeah. 
and you know all of their sports and syndicated Keith, formats. That so it was it was not a great quarter. That doesn't make any sense. Kids. Radio's down, networks down, spots down, and they're up uh, overall. I mean, how does that how does that work? What would be up? Digital? Digital wouldn't make up well, the difference. Uh, yeah. Do you think? Yeah. Well, I think digital probably did. Uh, yeah, and I think she's. Maybe there's some event revenue in there as well. So yeah, or, or maybe there's just a lot of hand waving and nobody really pays a lot of attention because it's radio. I don't know. <laughs> well, my take. My, you're right. It doesn't make my, sense. My takeaway, right. without digging too much into the, some of the others, is uh, digital hasn't killed radio, at least not yet. It's you know it still holds its place in in the media landscape. But you know that Keith, the real killer on for these guys, and I think it uh, affects all of them, is automotive. Automotive has just got to come back. I don't know how likely that is. I think that's something we could talk about in a future episode of Media Insultant. But you know, automotive has got got to come back. It's off more than thirty percent. It's really hit TV too. So you know, if the automotive comes back, uh, they're going to have a better year over the next couple of years. But I don't see that happening. Well, and I think that everybody's everybody's trying to predict when that will happen. Um, and we'll, we should talk to Ed Steeman about his predictions about when that will happen. But you know, when you say it's off 30%, whatever, automotive is one of the biggest categories of advertising, obviously, and probably the biggest advertising category for radio. And so when it's off 30%, that's just not like uh, you know some small category being off 30 or 40%. This is the biggest category off 30%, and that's that's crushing. And, and I, I really feel badly for people who you know, really relied on it, but it's just yeah. not there. And and now when the business starts ramping up and they get inventories of new cars and dealerships, these dealers have learned to survive on digital, you know, on social and, um, and very, you know, and, di- you know, digital video and, and, uh, and very targeted media. And are they going to come back full force into radio and television? Oh, we'll have to well, see. Well, I think they'll come back, but they won't come back until they have some pain. And that means the supply chain has to kind of be fixed. <laughs> they true. have to get some inventory up. And then they have to get in a position where suddenly yeah. they've got 150 cars that they can't sell. That's when they'll get, call the radio guys and the TV guys. But right now, they're second-stickering so many of the cars right now, they don't need it. And justifiably, I'm not even sure they're doing right. much in digital. I think they are mostly sitting back and selling what they can as a high a market, markup as they can possibly get and waiting until the supply chain refills. All right, a kudo to a well-respected country music programmer in a moment, Keith. But in the meantime, the bigger getting bigger, and even more importantly, the smaller are getting fewer. So it looks like Kobe. Yeah, so Jackson, yeah, tell me about these stations. The two television stations in Eugene got sold to Cox? Yeah, I don't quite know. This is a strange, out of the, kind of a strange uh, acquisition for Cox at this point, particularly with what's going on with Tegna. But there's a woman who you know, I don't, but uh, you know Patsy uh, Smullen, who for 29 years has owned uh, these two radio- right. t- TV stations in Eugene, Oregon. One's a Fox affiliate, one's a My Network. So not, I mean, the Fox is probably a reasonable competitor in the market. But she has sold the stations. Nobody knows for mm-hmm. how much yet. That hasn't been filed. Uh, I, the only possible strategic I can see on it is that they now, Cox now owns a cluster in the Northwest, you know, Medford, Yakima, Tri-City, Spokane, etc. So maybe there's some operational advantages to that that you wouldn't have otherwise. But by and large, it seems like a strange acquisition. And again, it comes to what you and I have talked about. Patsy in selling these 
now only has one station. She has a TV station in Medford. She probably would have sold that to Cox, but Cox already is in Medford, so that wouldn't have made any sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, yeah. you know, she'll sell that station pretty quickly, and, and these smaller groups, they just continue to sell out. It's, uh, you know, the timing is great. Uh, the business is consolidating. We're seeing that with things like Tegna and Cox. I mean, who would have thought Cox was a small player? But, you know, Cox was really small compared to Tegna. Yeah, yeah. The only dumb thing I can see about this is is that we seem to have investors who see no end to the retrans revenue coming in and the potential for next-gen TV, whatever the hell that is. So I call it dumb follow-on money. <laughs> and, and political. And political. And political. So those three things are driving... Uh, yeah, but you know it's it's interesting that um, I think you're right. So even even the big guys like Tegner are saying this is a great time for us to sell, and for the stockholders to get their money out. And now that's going to be taken private at the at the sale price. Um, but what's interesting is that uh, um, you know Patsy uh, has been in the business a long time. I knew her and her dad. Uh, when they owned cable systems uh, throughout Southern Oregon. And they were clients of ours at Warner Amex. They had Nickelodeon and the Movie Channel, and we were selling them MTV. And this was back in the early 80s. Mm-hmm. And they were, you know, they were great uh, media citizens of, you know, Grants Pass and Medford and, and uh, 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 Coos Bay and, and you know, uh, everything south of Eugene, it seemed, that they, they, were, they had cable systems everywhere. And so, you know, time to cash out. You know, it's uh, maybe partly estate planning, partly if the timing's perfect, good for her. But with Cox coming in, you, you left out one of the markets that Cox is in, which is yeah, Seattle. Yeah. So, you know, you add in Medford, Yakima, Eureka, Tri-Cities, Pocatello, Spokane, Seattle. You know, that's, that's a nice northwest footprint for sure. And probably not for very much money. So that gives you a chance to get uh, to get a, you know to get to get some great regional yeah, business. Yeah, you get some good regional business. You get some real efficiency in operations too. You know, they'll set up one control room uh, center for all of these stations and operate every single one of these TV stations out mm-hmm. of one studio. And they'll just switch news out of it. They'll do everything out of mm-hmm. that one studio. So there's some real efficiencies in that, and efficiencies in traffic efficiencies in engineering you know you've got an engineer in spokane he can pop over to yakima to fix a problem you don't have to have two engineers i mean there are all kinds of good things that uh, come from that consolidation so i think it was a good time for patsy to get out and hope she enjoys the break hey uh you have a a long experience with a woman who was inducted into the country music hall of fame here last week at the uh, country radio show that was held where was it was it nashville where did they do the show this year Na- yeah, Nashville. Nashville. Okay, they do it. Well, they always do it in Nashville. Okay, I, I was not aware of that uh, continuation. But uh, <laughs> right. Becky Bremner is somebody that uh, you worked with, and she was in hall- inducted into the Hall of Fame. Right. Uh, it's the Country Radio. Yeah, the Country Radio Hall of Fame, and uh, and Becky Brenner uh, was uh, one of the inductees this year. Um, and you know they have people that are in programming in country radio. They have people that are uh, you know station owners in country radio, or they have record executives in country radio, uh, and personalities in country radio. So those are kind of the, the pool they draw from to uh, nominate and then vote on and induct these people into the Hall of Fame. And there couldn't be a more worthy recipient of that honor than Becky Brenner. And uh, Becky started on the air in Oshkosh, Wisconsin, back in the uh, late 70s. 
So kind of, you know, not far from where you started in radio, Jackson. So she's got that, you know, small market, upper Midwest roots, just like you. <laughs> and so she joined KMPS in Seattle, one of the greatest country music stations ever, right. uh, in 1982 as the production director. Okay. I started as a, as a junior sales guy. Uh, at KMPS six months later in March of, of 1983, and that's where we got to be great friends and worked together for 10 years at KMPS and just had a great friendship, great relationship. She and her husband, uh, Mark Paulson, were uh, you know uh, great friends, but also great members of the lineup of the uh, KMPS softball team. She was, she, she, you know, she ended up, uh, you know, leaving uh, in 19, uh, uh, 10 years later, 92, to go be a consultant for BP Consulting. She does that for a couple of years. Jay Albright retires uh, from from station uh, programming and starts his own uh, her own uh, consulting firm at the time. O'Malley uh, Albright O'Malley, and they hired Becky <laughs> eventually. But Becky was the program director and operations manager at KMPS for over sixteen wow. years. I mean, she oversaw one of the greatest stations for a couple of decades. So you add in 10 years, you add in six years. So she was there for 26 years. What an amazing run that Becky had. Um, she's influenced so many on-air people. And now as a consultant with, uh, with Jay and O'Malley, uh, she continues to influence so many stations and so many managers on the programming side. And she's just a great, great person and just, just uh, love her to death and couldn't be more happy. And a small world story is that her baby sister, Kim, was our station receptionist for a while. And, and Kim had uh, a, another part-time job at night, which was being, she was my daughter's first babysitter. <laughs> the, Bre- the Brenners were a big part of our life uh, for a long time. And I just couldn't be happier for Becky. And Mark's a great guy. And, and I think Country Radio is, uh, is lucky to have her. And, I, and she's touched a lot of people. And uh, I just you know, wanted to shout out to uh, the recognition that the uh, uh, Country uh, Radio uh, seminar gave her last week. Well, and you know, it's something we we are, haven't got time for because we're out of time again, Keith. But um, one of the things we want to talk about a little bit in the upcoming episode of Media Insultant is the continuing decline, though, in country music share. So we'll talk about that uh, later. Yeah. But next week, we're going to take a spring break for one week of Media Insultant, and so our next edition will be on Tuesday, March fifteenth, and hopefully our audience will stick around and come back for us. You know. <laughs> I'm sure there will be a lot of wailing and gnashing of teeth, but the fact remains that we're going to take a week off. Oh, yeah. We're going to take a week off. (laughs) Media Insultant is a production of In Town Media, and each episode is dropped Tuesdays and Thursdays, except next week on no Tuesday and Thursday. Videos are on Vimeo. Spring break. Spring break. So let's go enjoy the break, Keith, and I'll see you in a week.